You're listening to the Carol First Baptist Church Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Hill, alongside Pastor Mark and Pastor Chris. On today's episode, we'll be talking on Pastor Wiggins' recent message on Easter called Validated by the Resurrection. It goes through and speaks of how really Christianity is, is validated by what Jesus did on Easter. First point he makes is that the resurrection of Jesus validates my confidence in Jesus. Second is the resurrection of Jesus validates my hope for the forgiveness of my sins. That Jesus validates my expectations for believing loved ones who have died. Final point is that Jesus validates my anticipation of a resurrection body. So, Pastor Mark, I think you had something on this. Yeah, on the second point, Pastor looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And verse 17 uh, reads like this. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Uh, one of the, the areas of... Um, of significance to Easter and to the events of Easter, obviously, is the resurrection and the the validity of the actual resurrection. So we're talking about what the uh, what what the resurrection validates, but there's also a, a, an element of validating the the actual resurrection itself. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when we talk about Easter, uh, we talk about resurrection. There are people who are skeptical. <laughs> Concerning the resurrection, there are people who do yeah. not believe in the resurrection, and uh, yeah, I think the Bible is very clear that the resurrection obviously happened. Um, and Paul goes so far to say that if it didn't happen, our, our faith is futile, and we're still in our sins. So, the significance of the resurrection actually happening is paramount. So, we need to not only believe it, but know why we believe it also. And so, I, I kind of. Um, thought about in relationship to the resurrection, in relationship to the, the need to believe the resurrection, uh, concerning skepticism of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Uh, years ago, I had a friend of mine that we had a uh, conversation back and forth concerning whether or not the resurrection was real, and his honest skepticism of the resurrection. And uh, I think one thing really important to, to remember is that not all skeptic, skeptics are are mean spirited. Uh, some some people, they really believe that there are claims of Christianity that that seem untenable for them. Yeah. And uh, his was a seemed to be a genuine, just uh, misunderstanding or inability to believe that Jesus was literally raised from the dead. Um, if you're raised in the church, you've you've heard language like that, and maybe it seems kind of okay for you. <laughs> Um, but if you weren't raised in the church, you know, this, this is strange. This is strange stuff. Yeah. The idea that somebody is raised from the dead, um, is, is, is kind of, it's kind of crazy. Like, Sounds let, like a movie. Right. Let's be honest. Like it, outside of the Bible, outside of Christianity, you talk about resurrection, people think you're, you're kind of, kind of crazy. So, um, I think it's good for Christians and for the church just to recognize that, Though it is commonplace for us, it's not commonplace for someone outside of the church. And yeah. So we need to be be aware of that. And so when skepticism comes, like, what do we do with that? Well, I guess I, I want to first say that there are. Um, let me first say the Bible speaks for itself. We're we're not, you know, <laughs> uh, it's been said you know the Bible's like a, a a lion. Like you don't need to defend the lion. Just open the cage and, and the, the lion will defend <laughs> himself. Right. So. I, we want to believe that the Bible is sufficient for 
for defending itself about the resurrection of Jesus. And 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15 is a great place to go. Um, there are some authors who have written concerning the resurrection that have dealt with some of the skepticism of the resurrection or some of the questions that people have maybe given that I would just recommend to you. We're going to, we'll list these in the description, but I'll just run through them. There are sections in each of these books on this. The whole book isn't about the resurrection, but there are sections in each one of these books. And one is from Josh McDowell called New Evidence That Demands a Verdict. That's a follow-up to his uh, first book. That That's not a new book. Uh, Lee Strobel, some of you probably know that name, The Case for Christ and his his testimony is pretty profound. And if you're not a reader, that's on Netflix as a movie. So there, <laughs> there you go. You go. <laughs> um, if you have, uh, if you're more in kind of a, looking for something a little more uh, of a level of a teenager or young young adult, uh, Case for Christ is, is more, um, it's narrative in the sense that he, he's telling a story about how he came to faith, but also how he took this evidence and tried to, work it through and determine whether it was real. But another book, also kind of a, a younger level maybe, uh, is by Josh McDowell also in another author. And it says, don't check your brains at the door. And it talks about a number of myths that people might have about Christianity and about the resurrection. And then if uh, you're dealing with someone who might think themselves a little more intellectual, um, there's a book called The Reason for God by Timothy Keller. And there is a chapter on the resurrection, chapter 13, the reality of the resurrection. And Tim Keller does a, uh, I think, a really, really good job of dealing with some of the skepticism, some of the uh, criticism that is leveled against the literal resurrection of Jesus. Um, so those would be some of the resources. And so some of the things that you know, we might share, I might share today, come come from there. But I, I guess one of the uh, one of the things about the resurrection that sometimes people just think of it as uh, inconceivable uh, because it, it's out of out of the 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 norm for them. Like, mm-hmm. so so maybe something to to think about would be this: if I can only believe what makes sense to me, then then that's going to limit. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's making a god in my image. Mm-hmm. So it's saying I'm only going to believe in a god who, you know, fits into my way of thinking. Well, then who's god in that equation? Right. That you're you're god. Uh, you get to set the parameters. And so when we start thinking about some of these things like the resurrection or the the virgin birth, you know, some of these kind of outlandish ideas, humanly speaking. Uh, one of the things I think that we need to, to start with is recognizing that we are not talking about normal things, right? This is the, the this is miraculous. This is divine. This is God doing stuff that uh, that we can't quite get our heads around, and, and and that's and that's actually okay. That's that that's okay that we can't quite get our our heads around it. Um, I guess the other thing too, we referenced First Corinthians thirteen or fifteen, excuse me, in Paul's writing, and in your New Testament, the Gospels come first, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and their accounts of the resurrection. But um, by dating, uh, meaning when these books were written, the Gospels weren't written first. Actually, Paul's writings were first. And so he was the first one to 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 mention these things, um, and historians agree that that Paul's letters were written 
uh, maybe 15 or 20 years after the death of Jesus. So when, when Paul is making these claims about the empty tomb and about eyewitnesses, and he lists those people in, in the first part of chapter 15, uh, those people would have known. Mm-hmm. People would have known whether or not that actually happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, that This would have been uh, knowledge, not just historical knowledge from hundreds of years ago, but this was current stuff. This was things that, that could have been proven true or false in that in that day, these letters would have been circulated. They would have read, read out loud. So exaggerating would not have been believable. No one would have believed uh, what Paul uh, was was saying. Uh, but the resurrection would have been uh, hard for for anyone to believe, though. Like, it's hard for us to believe, but it's not like people were popping out of the grave every now and then back then either, right? <laughs> this, was not, this was not a common experience at, at any point. In, in history. So the only realistic way that they would have believed it back then is that there would have been some sort of evidence, such as an empty tomb, such as people who literally saw Jesus in the flesh, which certainly did did happen. So uh, some of those things would be part of you know help, us working through helping people uh, deal with some of their skepticism. Uh, another one, I think... Um, Tim, Tim Keller, he, he probably has said all these things, actually. But um, another one that he, that he brings up is uh, about the accounts in the Gospels of the first people to get the message of the resurrection were women. Hmm. And that might not seem important today in in the West, but at that time, that would have not been the way you did that. If you wanted to have a believable report, you would have reported to a man. And that is, you know, I know I know we live in a very egalitarian world these days, but the point would be is that the credibility of women was not held very high. Mm-hmm. And so if you were trying to make up a story and make it believable, um, then you would have you would have made it up as the men get the, the word first. Um, God's not worried about that. Jesus wasn't worried about that. And so maybe almost, I don't know why he sent, sent the message, the women got the message first. Maybe it was just for that very purpose to say like, we, we don't need it to be believable to, you know, the, some cultural ideas. This is the truth and everybody needs to know it. Similarly, maybe why did Jesus, uh, when Jesus was born, why was the message given to the shepherds and not to someone in higher esteem, right? Maybe that's because God works differently for us, but, um, Maybe if you're listening to this here, you're from our church and, and you, you know somebody who's battling some unbelief in their life. Maybe you know someone who thinks the resurrection is just not not reasonable for them. Uh, I would really invite you to enter into a conversation with them and listen to their questions. Um, God is not too big for their questions. Uh, we, we need to ask good questions. We all need to ask good questions. And... Um, Engage in those questions in a, in a respectful, uh, honoring way, honoring the, the actual um, attempt at, at understanding as much as you can understand, as much as they can understand. And I would invite you to, to maybe help them by pointing them to something, <laughs> whether it's to start with the scriptures, certainly, um, and then maybe maybe one of the books that we, we mentioned here uh, this morning. 
uh, could, could be a helpful way for them to start to see uh, why the resurrection is necessary. Back to my friend, and then, then I'll be done. But my friend um, said that, that he believed a lot about Christianity, but, but the, the resurrection was holding him up. And what my friend was missing was that, that that's not how this works. You can't have you can't have it a la carte. You can't have I'll take some of this about Jesus and some of this about Jesus, but that resurrection thing, I'm not sure. No, the the resurrection is a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing else matters if if Jesus is still dead, right? Correct. And so um, so when we look at First Corinthians 15, and we see that 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 if he's not raised, we're our faith is futile. So you can believe all you want to believe, but if he's in the grave, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And your sins are not forgiven. Um, so uh, we don't want to dismiss the skepticism. We don't want to dismiss the objections. We want to be able to deal with those and be honest about it and try to explain the best we can from the scriptures and from other helpful resources. I want to invite you to to, to uh, walk that path. It can be tricky, but walk it for the good of uh, other people and the glory of God. Oh, back to this idea of... of craziness like we, we started off saying the resurrection was crazy but if we looked at christianity as a whole right i mean we're, we're looking back two thousand years ago to a, a middle eastern man a jewish man in a small country that is occupied by rome with a small cult following like that's what we follow today like that's yeah. that's the largest religion in the world hmm. and like that's that's insane if we just think about it um just logistically and logically like why are we doing this? Right. And with that, so the craziness of that. Mm-hmm. So you, ha- you have to be able to explain how Christianity blew up then. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't the resurrection, then, then you have to explain it. How in the world did it become an overnight success in, in that way? How, how did mm-hmm. it become, how did these people who were fearful, how were, how would they, you know, months and years later, being willing to to literally give up their life yeah that's the other thing it wasn't accepted either it was it was despised it right. was persecuted yeah constantly right so if it's all a lie if he's still in the grave why are these people literally dying for this this guy like you, you have to be able to explain it it demands an explanation mm-hmm. and quite frankly we would say right the resurrection is the only answer yeah and that's how we see that that christianity truly is distinct like it is it is uniquely distinct from any other religion yeah. uh Either either Christ has risen from the dead, and that puts Christianity above everything, or what he claims is all wrong, and that put Christianity behind every other religion. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it just, yeah, it just truly makes Christianity distinct, and um, it just gives us all who do follow another another reason to follow, because we yep. see we see the work of Jesus, we see the power of Jesus right. um, throughout history, and, and honestly throughout his life as well. Yeah, I think another part part point for me. Um, was how uh, Pastor Wiggins was talking about a sacrifice, how Jesus died as a sacrifice for our sins. And, and we use this language a lot um, throughout church and uh, throughout um, just kind of kind of our, our church speak, our, um, just kind of how our language works around, around this Christianity. And one of the points he made up was how oftentimes people in the Bible made wrong sacrifices. And we can look at the story of, of Cain and Abel and how Cain uh, made a wrong sacrifice, how King Saul, before a battle, um, he made a sacrifice without the priest being there. And we also see in Malachi how the people were, were offering handicapped sacrifices or, or poor soffer, su- sacrifices to God. And I think one of the things 
uh, is that we can be extremely thankful that we do not have to offer sacrifices exactly. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you just read throughout some of the Old Old Testament law and just the things they had to do, it, it was bloody. Um, but the point of that was is that people were sinful and that, that God demanded blood for restitution. And so we can be thankful that uh, Jesus is our ultimate sacrifice, that he was a perfect lamb, that he was not handicapped in any way, and that he completely um, took care of our sin. But what do, what do we do after that? Or how can we um, see this application? Because I think one of the things we want to do here is is provide practical uh, day-to-day application um, from sermons. So I'll toss this back to you guys. How, how do we see application from this? I think what, what, in one way that we see it is just the recognition that nothing that I do, no sacrifice that I make, no giving up of, of my, my rights or my stuff mm-hmm. makes me acceptable to mm-hmm. God. There is a, a mentality in quote-unquote Christianum or what is more more. Uh, moralism or what uh, the the idea of doing good um, that God will accept me if I do good God will accept me um, and there's a lot of that there's a lot of that mentality that if someone were to be asked about where they stand for the Lord they they would think of themselves as, as a you know, a good person or something of that nature mm-hmm. that they they do good to people or they try to be a, a good person. And that's all about my works, mm-hmm. right? So you're talking about these sacrifices that people have made in order to try to, to appease God or to be right with God. And if we ever were to think that that our sacrifices, our doings, our deeds um, could ever make us acceptable to God, we're, we're, we're in danger uh, of, of missing what, what Christ did uh, for us at all. I feel like if we try to think logically with our finite minds, that that makes sense, though. It's something that I can grasp, this idea of a scale where I can do something to try and, you know, help tip the scale or something like that. That that can be comforting. This is all a wrong mindset, by the way. But but I, I see how that can kind of make sense because I, I go to work and earn a wage and whatever, and so I can do something to earn something. Yep. And so just the world in which we live, the culture in which we live, it, it makes sense to be like, well, okay, if I break the law and I get a speeding ticket, well, there's something I can do to pay for that, to appease for, for that error. So why would this whole idea of sin or doing something wrong be any different? Okay, so if I do more good things than bad, then surely that makes sense to outweigh. So I yeah. get that. It's sure. wrong. How do I think it's wrong? Because the Bible says it's wrong. Right. That there is only one way. But, but I guess I can, to some degree, kind of understand how people could go that direction. Yeah. Logically speaking, from just what our own brains might seem to think. But yeah, uh, yeah that it's wrong. And Scripture is very clear about it in, in Ephesians and other places. John 14, uh, what the only way is. But, uh, no, I agree with this idea of, of being able to or getting in a mindset of sacrificing and, and being able to do something of my own volition to somehow merit or, or uh, salvation, and, and it's just not so. And that's something that, as far as this application is concerned, that we need to really work on in our own lives to remember who the true source of this life 
of salvation is. Yeah, and back to that imagery of, of scales, of weighing, um, of good deeds versus bad deeds. Like we Back to this greater theme of religion as well, as, as we see that in religions. We see that in, in Islam. We literally see Allah or, or, or God, in their case, scaling or, or weighing our, our deeds versus our bad deeds. And so you said that it logically makes sense, and that's what humans do. That's what we see in religion is how people... Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they see the need to perform in order to outweigh their bad deeds. And that's just this, this human mindset, yeah. this sinful mindset. Yeah, that, that you're right. Religion says, um, if, I do, if, 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 if I do good, then, then I'll be accepted. Mm-hmm. And the, the gospel says, um, I'm accepted, and therefore I do good. Yeah, e- Ephesians I'm, 2, 8 through 10, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we was workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, yep. which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if you guys saw on my Facebook, I, I put a, a, a link to a little clip from Tim Keller talking about boasting. If we're going to boast in something, what do we boast on? And that verse talks about the salvation is nothing that I can earn because if it is, then it's something that I can boast in. The spotlight becomes about me on me, what I did. And the gospel is all about Jesus, about what Jesus did for us. It's, it's nothing that we could do. And Tim Keller talks about our need to boast. And if we're going to boast, then we need to boast in the cross. Jeremiah talks about boasting in Jesus. If we are going to boast, then boast about Jesus. And that's what we need to do. Yeah, because if you could earn it, what do you need Jesus for? Exactly. It's completely... He's completely Jesus is irrelevant, irrelevant if I can right. earn something. Right. B- back to your the scales in the logic. Like, I agree that there's a human logic in it. Yeah. And I agree that that, that is the thinking of the scales. The, the problem is, and I mean, you, you said that clearly that's wrong. Yeah. The problem is that, that our thinking has so been distorted... Yes. ...that we have this capacity to think that we are better than we are. <laughs> and until you see, it, this is this is this is true for every one of us. Until we see the holiness of God, we will not see our own sinfulness. Yes. And so, as long as you are looking at your own righteous deeds as the the standard of what righteousness is, then you could say, "Well, look at all my righteous deeds." Mm-hmm. So you can think that your scale looks pretty good to you. But you're not seeing the holiness of God in that. Because when you see the holiness of God, that scale is tipped in such a direction that it is impossible for you to outdo that. Correct. Your, your unholiness, your unrighteousness has weighed that scale to a level that, that you cannot ever undo it. Mm-hmm. The holiness of God is so high that you could never attain it. That's actually the point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's why Jesus came. That's why the resurrection, the victory over sin, death, and hell is such good news. That's why Christians celebrate with such Mm -hmm. joy on Easter morning, because we recognize that we could never have done this on our own. There is no hope for us outside of Jesus. Mm -hmm. It is not a hope. It is the the only hope. Right, and so man, I I agree that that is the logic. And the reason that 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 is a problem is because sin has so distorted the way we think. And if you're if you're thinking you can you can you can do it, you know, 
you got to you got to you need to see the holiness of God. You need yeah. you need Isaiah chapter 6. Go read Isaiah chapter 6. We thank you for listening to the Carol First Baptist Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's episode. Check us out again next time.